So there's this, there's this doctor in England. I don't think she's a doctor anymore, but her name's, I'm going to call her Dr. KP. This is a picture of her uh, and her name. And so you can understand why I'm just going to refer to her as Dr. KP, because I'm not going to even attempt at saying, pronouncing that last name. But she tells this story uh, when she was in England. They had a, a patient that came in two days before Christmas. Her name was Doris. She was 82 years old. Doris came in with a bunch of different ailments, and as they were trying to figure out what was wrong with her, every test that they did came back negative. And like Dr. KP said, she was, she was as healthy as an 82-year-old can be. And so they were about to discharge her from the hospital, and they were talking through, hey, we've done this, we've done that. And Doris said, but my arm, my arm has started hurting now. And so Dr. KP okay, asked her some questions. They, they x-rayed the arm. The arm came back totally clear. The day before, it had been her hip, which she's talking about. It came back clear. And so Dr. KP sits Doris down, and she's explaining to her, hey, we've, we've done everything. We can't find anything wrong with you. And Doris hung her head, and this is what she said, Dr. KP. She said, please don't send me home. There's no one there. And there are so many hours in the day. And then she said this, looked at the doctor and said, can you cure my loneliness? And Dr. KP is telling the story. I don't know what she responded to Doris, but in telling the story later, she said, I could have prescribed her antidepressants, but she wasn't clinically depressed. And this is what she said, quote, she said, the world that used to revolve around her had passed her by, and it wasn't there in the littlest of bits. Now, when we, when we like, think about the holidays, Christmas, maybe Thanksgiving, we, I think we are more attuned to people being alone during the holidays than we are at other times. Like, uh, we hear stories about people that are going to spend Christmas Day by themselves. And you might hear a story like that and usually kind of tugs at our heart to do something about it. I'll be honest with you, like, I'm saying this, it's being recorded, and I'm just hoping that I'm about to tell you about a surprise, which <laughs> this is the worst thing to do. Ruin a surprise while it's being recorded that's going to go on the internet for anybody who wants to listen to it can hear, but... We have a lady in our office who's one of our admins. Her name's Arla. And Arla is awesome. She's an amazing lady. Uh, she serves with Chad, and she serves with me, and she serves at our front desk. Well, in November of last year, she lost her husband. And so she's now been a, a widow for 13 months. And, and the holidays are coming. And so she's on my mind. Like, you know, what do you she's got, she's got two kids that are going to adult kids that will be home, so I know she's not going to be alone, but you just start thinking that way. Like, I don't want her to have a, a bad Christmas when everybody's celebrating family and Christmas and holidays, and, you know, what is she doing? So it's been on my mind, and then a couple Sundays ago, we were sitting in our home group, and we were going through the home group questions, and one of the questions was, like, think through a way that you could minister to somebody who's in need. And so, like, Arla popped into my mind. And so I threw out to our, our group, I was like, what about her? So on Tuesday night, this is the surprise, which I hope will not get out because I'm telling this story. But on Tuesday night, she thinks she's coming to dinner at our house, just to have dinner, but she, we're having a surprise Christmas party just for Arla. Um, and so like, we're pumped about it. And, and, and you think about it because it's the holidays. And they are tough, but you know what's true is it's also hard to be alone on Tuesday. And I'm not talking about Tuesday. It's hard to be alone on Thursday and Saturday. During the holidays, we think about it, but there are people around us all the time, and even people in the room who are struggling with loneliness, because to struggle with loneliness doesn't necessarily mean that you're physically alone. I mean, there are people that will be here this morning, maybe in this class or uh, in the worship service that are struggling with loneliness, and there's people all around them. 
But it might be a husband or a wife, and, and they're married, but marriage just isn't what it used to be. They've gotten busy with work and kids, and the, and the emotional intimacy, maybe even the physical intimacy, has, has long since dispersed, and they're living in a marriage that feels very lonely. So you can have relational conflict that makes that happen. Some of us have circumstances that are happening to us, and, and we're going through something in life, and it's not even something that's our fault. It you know, might be just a transition at the job or something like that, and it's causing incredible amounts of stress. And you look around, and, and you feel like no one else is going through that kind of thing, that you're on an island, isolated, and no one knows what you're feeling. No one knows what you're wrestling through. And even though you've got people around you, circumstances have driven you to a point of feeling lonely. I mean, it happens with people around us. You know, the champion of loneliness is sin. Like if you've got sin in your life, unconfessed sin, habitual sin that keeps coming back, lots of times the enemy uses that to drive us towards isolation and feelings of loneliness. It's the same feeling as the circumstances. Even though we're around a lot of people, there's things that are in our lives that, we, that, that are hidden in the dark, and we don't want it to come out to the light because we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want it could, it could ruin our, our family. It could ruin our career, whatever it is. And so we keep pushing into the dark. And, and the more we push in the dark, the further we have to walk into the dark. And we find ourselves in the middle of a dark place surrounded by people but feeling all alone because of our sin. So when we talk about loneliness, we're not just talking about loneliness during the holidays. It just is apropos for the passage we're about to look at. We started this series, Unwrapped, with Michael three weeks ago, this is week four, and just, I put these things up for review. So in week one, as we talked about Unwrapped series, we talked about that this is a season, Advent, it's a, it's a season of anticipation, it's a season of looking forward, and, and it shouldn't be looking for th- something, right? I mean, yes, as a person whose love language is receiving gifts, I love a present. But Christmas isn't about me looking towards a present, it's about me focusing my eyes on the coming of Jesus and what that meant. And then in week two, we talked about that that gift of Jesus is a gift that's meant to be shared. It's not just for us. It's, it's, we're supposed to give Jesus away and tell people about him. Christmas season is a great opportunity to do that because the whole holiday is about Jesus. And then last week, and what our kids are talking about today down the hallway, is we talked about surprises, and, and we talked about how, how God often shows up in ways that we don't expect. And we've got to be looking for him to move in ways that may be outside of what, what, what we anticipate him to look and then today, here's the, the, the kind of the bottom line we're looking at today, is this, is the best gift of all is God's presence. It, it's, it's that God is here with me. That's the best gift of all, and that is what Christmas is all about. So if you have your Bible, flip over to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at one of the Christmas stories, and we're going to see two people that experience some loneliness. Now, I don't know if you know this, I mean, if you've read stories of the Bible, there are a lot of people in Scripture that, that wrestled with loneliness. Uh, King David, a lot of the prophets, Jesus on the night that he's arrested, you know, remember he's, he's praying in the garden and his disciples, he's asked them, hey, pray for me, I'm just going to go a little bit further, and every time he comes back, they're asleep. I mean, that feels lonely. When you're dying on a cross, it feels lonely. I mean, loneliness is a theme throughout Scripture. And in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read a part of this Christmas story. So here's what it says in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, 
She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Stop, stop there for a second. We're going to read all of this. But we're just going to do it in, in little chunks. His mother, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, she's engaged to Joseph. The, the, the wedding is coming. Before they came together, that's, that's the biblical version to say they haven't had sex yet. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, for a minute, just put yourself in Mary's shoes. You're a young girl, and you have had a, an experience with, I mean, a physical experience and a conversation with an angel. We don't read that in Matthew, but we read it in Luke. An angel shows up to Mary and has a conversation with her. Like, I mean, would we all agree that would be a pretty phenomenal experience? Like, I mean, like, I, that would be, that'd be great. But who are you going to share it with? I mean, at this time in history, this time today, angelic appearances and conversations are not the norm. So it'd be the same thing today. If an angel came to you, and you knew, I mean, you knew this is not a mental health issue. This is, I experienced it. I, 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 the angel said things to me. I had a conversation with the angel. And you went to work. No, not work. You came to your small group the next Sunday. The people who love Jesus with you, and you said, hey, i got to tell you a story about what happened to me. You, you know where we're going, right? You're, you're going to be kind of ostracized from your small group probably after that, because they're going to be like, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like, what is what's wrong with him or her? So Mary's had this phenomenal experience, but who's she going to share it with? She can't just walk around and go, oh, hey, by the way, uh, I met an angel. And then, and then she's pregnant. And you know, if you remember back to when you were pregnant, that was a, or should have been, a joyous time. I mean, there were baby showers and celebrations. Your family was excited. There were conversations with, with other women that might have been your age that were pregnant or with, with people who had had children about this new experience that was happening. And, and you're talking about, you know, throwing up is normal and this feels that way. And, the, I mean, and you're having all of those experiences shared with other people. And yet, Mary can't do any of that. There's no baby shower. She's, she's hiding because she's engaged. She's not married. It's not her husband's baby. And the explanation to the story makes her sound crazy. I guarantee you, Mary felt very alone in a time when she needed people around her. Look at the next verse. Verse 19. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, they weren't married, but in, in that Jewish tradition, to be engaged meant that this, we're in. There's no breaking this off. We've already, we've, families are already in. So, so when the Greek word there is used to divorce her, they are not married, but it's a, this bond is not like a typical engagement maybe today where you go, hey, it's not going to work out. We'll, we'll redo this. Give the ring back. This is it. But they haven't consummated because they're not married. So here's Joseph. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a second, guys. You've been thinking about building a life with this woman for several months, maybe several years. Excited about it. You sacrificed in order to, to prepare to, to be the leader of your home. And then you have a conversation with her, and she, she's been acting strange for a couple of weeks. You've been able to put your thumb on why she's acting weird. You've asked her about it. And she said, it's nothing, and because you were a guy, you, you believe that to mean that it was nothing. Um, and then she tells you, I'm pregnant. And, and you remember fourth grade health class. Like, you know how this works. 
And the woman that you love, that you're engaged to, that you sacrificed for, that you've dreamed about building your life with, is now not just pregnant. She, she's given herself to another man and lying to you about it. And, and then her explanation to you is, well, an angel came to me, and it's like a special like virgin birth miracle of God. All right. Okay. So what happens next, you, you can imagine both of these people feel utterly alone. Because that guy, Joseph, Joseph does, I mean, his friends, they've all been, they've celebrated, he doesn't want to go and say, hey, the marriage is off, well, why? Well, she's slept with somebody else and is pregnant. You want to say, I mean, utterly alone. What happens next doesn't happen because both of them were alone. It happened for much greater purposes. It's just interesting that as we talk about loneliness, both of them were feeling that. Look at what happens in verse 20. But as he, as he considered these things, divorcing her quietly, getting out of this predicament he's in, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now get this. So Joseph gets this dream. And the angel says the same thing that Mary said and quotes a scripture from 700 years ago that the promise that you've been talking about, that, that your family's been talking about for more than 700 years, the promise of a coming Messiah for thousands of years, but quotes a prophet from 700 years ago that gives this description of what he's living. A virgin will, will, will be with child and will, will, will birth the Savior of the world. Joseph has that experience. and You can imagine what that's like. Imagine, so what would that be? 2019, so 1319. Your family's been given a promise. America wasn't even around. Like, I mean, like, so your family's like in Germany or Czechoslovakia or wherever you're from. In 1319, there was a promise that when such and such happens, your family will be wealthy beyond your imagination. And your family's told the story from years and years and years along the way, and it's never happened. And then all of a sudden, you find out that not only is it going to happen, it's going to happen in your lifetime, and you're going to experience the promise. That's that's what's happening. They're, 700 years ago, they heard this promise, and now they're living it. But the key is we talk about the best gift, what Christmas is about, the thing that we receive most, is the best gift is God's presence, is found in that Isaiah passage. Verse 23 is where it's quoted to us. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is so historical context, let's put ourselves there, in Joseph and Mary's shoes. They are, I mean, it's New Testament, but it's Matthew 1, okay? So we're, we're in between, right before, in between the Old Testament and New Testament. So somebody tell me, let you give feedback. How did God reveal himself? How did God speak to people throughout the Old Testament? What are some ways? A burning bush, so he had some sort of uh, supernatural phenomenon. How else did he speak? Do what? Fire, not just burning bush, but like in the, in the Exodus, the God, God's presence was there, the fire by night, cloud by day. Part of the sea, so he did miracles. Prophets, prophets spoke on behalf of God. But when you read through the Old Testament, here's what we generally see. 
God reveals himself through some sort of natural phenomenon from a distance. Moses goes up the mountain, a cloud descends on the mountain, the people are down below. God leads the people, this mass of a million some odd people, fire by night, cloud by day. I can guarantee you this, nobody was getting too close to that fire, right? I mean, it was a distance. Oftentimes, God spoke to individuals. It was to Moses on top of the mountain, to the point where everybody went, he's not coming back down, where is he at? God spoke to these individuals. He spoke to a prophet, and then a prophet went and spoke to the people. So your connection with God was through distance phenomenon or someone else that relayed a message. God with us, Emmanuel, the power, the transition, the change, the gift of the presence is no longer is God distant, no longer is a high priest going into the temple by himself once a year. Now God is flesh. God's here. And he's got bones and blood and he took the form of his creation to walk on on the earth and to talk to people and to have intimate encounters with them, eye to eye, touch, healings, things like that. So this is, a, this is an incredible transition from the Old Testament of how God reveals himself as God the Father to flesh and bone, Jesus the Son, but it's going to get even better. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus, God in the flesh, is talking to disciples. Thank goodness they recorded it for us. And here's what he says, verse 16. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. You know what he's talking about? Holy Spirit. Old Testament, God reveals phenomenon. God reveals through prophet. There's an intermediary. New Testament gospel time comes, and Jesus is God in the flesh. Touch, see, live, record. Now we're living in the greatest moments because we have the Holy Spirit, God himself, who lives in us. He's not just at a distance where we see him. He's not just here for 30 years on the earth with about three years of ministry. Now every day you have access to the power of God in your life. That ought, that ought to be life. We ought to, we ought to be living in such a way that's radically different than even the incredible New Testament times and, and the Jesus times. In fact, Jesus said, when I leave, you're, you're going to do greater things than I did. Why? Because the entire church is going to have the Holy Spirit of God inside. Not just God in one person, but God living, not that you're God, but God living in us. He'll be doing some incredible things. And so when God begins to live in you some, some, some miraculous things happen. I'm going to tell you a story. And it's going to sound like a prideful story, not me and to be. It really, it is a, it's, a, it's a God moment. I was in my house two or three weeks ago. I'm on Facebook. And there's an article on Facebook posted about this uh, elderly gentleman who was in a bank. And basically the article is the, the police did something great. So I click on the article. And, and the gist of the article was the older guy was in the bank trying to withdraw money. He needed two forms of ID. didn't have it got agitated, part of it because he was older. They call the police, the police show up, instead of throwing them out, the police make peace, solve, feel good story. You know, see those. But what captured me was underneath the article, there was a conversation of, between two people I went to high school with, about six pieces of conversation, three each, that went back and forth. And one of the guys said, he, he was mad at his bank, extremely angry at his bank, <clears throat> because 
Um, he couldn't get his money out of the bank until December 5th. It was locked up, and he's got to pay his rent. And, and if he gets evicted out of his uh, house because of this, he's going to be angry. And the person's kind of like, oh, man, I'm sorry, and like, da-da-da-da. So Holy Spirit sitting there. And the Holy Spirit said very clearly, pay for his rent. So I immediately fired off a Facebook messenger, and I said, hey, are you still living in Colinas where we all grew up? And he said, no, I'm in Austin. And I said, well, I'll, I'll loan you the money if you need it. And he was like, are you serious? And, and so here's what happens next, though. In the midst of this conversation, all of a sudden, I start thinking, what am I doing? I, I, here, well, here's a look. I don't know the guy. We're, we're Facebook friends because we, we all went to high school together. And when we had our high school reunion last year, I was helping plan it. So I ended up with like 300 more Facebook friends that went to school with me. And we share a bunch of friends. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know the guy. Like, this is weird. Like, I really don't have that kind of money, except I just had something happen in kind of a side business I do or uh, made some money. And I told the Lord way back when, a lot of that, I want to give that away. And the Lord was like, that's why this is happening. So we started this conversation. So here's where it goes next. I said, do you live in Clean? He says, no, I live in Austin. And I said, oh, well, where in Austin? I live in, I live in Georgetown. And he said, well, I actually live in Pflugerville. And I said, well, are you ever in Georgetown? And he said, I've just left Temple driving home. I'm in Salado right now. And I said, would you stop at my house? And he said, yes. So I get my address. We stop at the house. Now, pause the story because I want to go back to 24, 24 hours before, 20 hours before. In my home group. We're talking about prayer requests, and here's a prayer request I gave my home group. I said, I, I pray that I have opportunities to share the gospel with people because, like, I, I don't get to have, I don't, I'm not able to do that at work, right? Luckily, the people that work here at First Baptist are all believers, <laughs> right? That's, that's an ex- expectation. So I don't have work, you know, and so I don't have these, like, long, my friends, they go to First Baptist. Like, I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot of friends outside of believers, and so I just pray for these opportunities. <clears throat> So that happens 20 hours before this Facebook conversation. And as we're having this messenger conversation, he's on his way to my house. And he says, are you sure? And I said, yes. And he said, and just thank you so much. And then here's what he said. Talk about the Holy Spirit putting it on a tee. He says, you're a godsend. I was like, this is so easy. So I responded back and I said, hey, when you get here, if you've got five minutes, I'd like to tell you my godsend story. And he was like, Sure. Pulls up to my house. We have about a 20-minute conversation. Hear all of his backstory. Incredible story. He uh, is a believer, um, but his wife had left him, cheated on him, and it pushed him back to a life of drugs that he had been in before he was saved. And he starts telling me this incredible story. Uh, I won't get into it all now, but just of how the Lord was using that moment to speak to him. And there were a couple other things that God had done in his life kind of leading up to this moment. I'm saving time and not giving you the full story, but I walk out of there and I immediately go in. I'm like, at dinner, I sit my family down. I'm like, hey, you got to hear the story of what God is doing. But why is God doing that? Because I have the Holy Spirit inside me who I'm sitting on Facebook says something to me that makes no sense. And even after I happen, I'm, I'm thinking, this doesn't make any sense. The Lord said, do this, did it, and it opened up this gospel conversation that, that could, I don't know, lead to transformation. I've invited my new friend to Christmas Eve here, and at this point, he says he's going to come, so... Keep praying for him. That would happen. That God would continue to change his life. But that's the power in the presence. It's not just an Old Testament God. It's not just Jesus for three years of ministry. You and I have access to that Holy Spirit who does miraculous things every day. So what do we do? I'll give you a couple things before we break into small groups. Just, just ideas. 
Last week, Michael challenged our teenagers to talk about surprises, to go out and surprise somebody this week, to give them a Christmas gift or something that might spark a conversation. I want to give you some practical things to do. So here's one idea. Um, we're talking about presence. If, you, if you're feeling lonely, if you're dealing with loneliness, one of the things we can do, can you get that slide up? Um, we, we've got to spend time with the Lord, right? You, you've got to spend time in prayer. You've got to spend time in the Word. You've got to be able to, if you're going to experience His presence, spend time in presence. It just has to be that way. Uh, th- that makes sense to us on a lot of levels. Like on Monday, yesterday, I'm off, I'm on vacation now. Amanda works for herself. And so she said, hey, on Monday, kids are in school. It's at taxpayer child care. It's awesome. Um, and she said, hey, what are you doing on Monday? And I said, I've got like, a thing in the evening, I think middle school basketball game. And she was like, hey, do you, if I take off Monday, do you just want to like, spend the day? We can go to the movies. We can do stuff. Said, yeah, yeah. So we blocked out Monday for a date day. That's normal. Should be. But both of us, even though we've been married for 20 years, long for time in each other's presence. And we've got to carve out that time. And block, so we've blocked out Monday on our calendar to go to the movie to hang out together. And so we block it. But it's the same thing. We've got some uninterrupted time with God in, in Bible study and prayer. We, get, we have to carve it out. It, you know this already. It doesn't happen accidentally, right? There's not going to come a time, anytime this week, sitting in the house, and you have this thought, I've got nothing to do. I literally, what? I'm bored. Like, I've, everything on my checklist is done. I'm like two months ahead at work. My kids are volunteering at the orphanage. Like, I've made it in life. I'm done. That, that's, if you have that experience, don't tell anybody because we're going to look at you like an angel spoke to you as well. We've got to carve it. We've got to carve it out and go, you know what? I'm going to take 20 minutes however long you need, to just have some, some uninterrupted time practicing presence, just like you, you need to do with your spouse, like you'd want to do with your kids, like you would do if a guest came to your house, because that's how we live in the presence of God, by talking with Him and having Him talk to us and reading His Word. We go, man, I don't feel like I sense the presence of God in this lonely time. Well, how, how much time have you spent talking with Him? None. How much time have you spent reading His Word? None. Well, no wonder you feel lonely. His presence is there. His Holy Spirit's inside you, but you've done, like, like he's just standing there like, what's up, man? You're like, I'm busy. So we have this un, uninterrupted time. Here, here's the second thing, though. You might be doing that already. You might go, I, I have some quiet time. I have some devotional time. Second thing is this. Sometimes we understand the presence, experience the presence of God when we are used of him to be present in other people's lives. So holiday is a good time to think through that. So there might be some practical things. I just gave some ideas up there. If you see someone at lunch, we're talking with students this week too, see someone at lunch by themselves, grab a seat next to them. Sometimes when you start being present in someone's life, God, you start sensing the spirit moving in your life. Invite someone you know is having a hard time in your house or out to buy to eat. If you know someone's recently lost a loved one, write them a card, let them know what you're thinking. Talk to your family about inviting someone who's alone on the holidays to be a part of your tradition. There's some easy things you can do to practice presence, to be the minister or the minister of presence and through that, experience God's presence. I'll tell you one last story. I'll let you break into small groups. When I was, uh, I think I was a sophomore in high school. I mean, I remember, I remember so many moments of this crystal clear. Just dates, I don't really remember. I remember where I was. My dad, who was a helicopter pilot for the Army, 
was shipped overseas to Kuwait to be in Desert Shield, which is pre-Desert Storm. And I remember night, it was a Wednesday night at church, I could take you back to the place where I was standing when my mom walked down the stairs and said, hey, at midnight tonight, the ground war will start, which meant my dad would leave Kuwait and move into Iraq. And, and, like, and live fire would be happening. And I remember that night laying down in bed, and I remember a song that came on the radio, and I remember laying and crying in bed, and I remember lots of these moments along the way as you have your dad out fighting for your country. I also remember when he came home. And I remember, I remember that day, penciled in as well as you can pencil it in when the military is making decisions on when you arrive and when you don't. But here's when he's going to arrive. And I remember going to the gym at Fort Hood and waiting as soldiers came through till he came through. And, and, and here, I, I promise you this, my love language is receiving gifts. I said that. Here is not what was on my mind. I wonder what my dad brought me back from Iraq. For various reasons, that was not on my mind. It's a glass jar of sand from the desert, son. Like, but it wasn't even on my mind. All I want to do is see him. All I want to do is hold him for hugging. Spend time in his presence. And God the Father took the form of Jesus. And we celebrate that at Christmas. God in the flesh, God with us. Emmanuel, and then gave us the Holy Spirit so we could have that experience every day of our life. And it'd be life-changing, life-transformative. We just have to start practicing His presence. Let me pray for us and let you talk in your small groups. God, thank you so much for this group of parents. God, I thank you for this class, what Michael's doing in it, Scott's doing in leadership. Lord, I pray that... um, this week, we would have some moments just by ourselves and maybe as a family to, to carve out time to be present with you. Spend time talking to you, reading your word. Or maybe you lay something on our hearts of how we can practice presence for someone else and experience your presence through that. Lord, I look forward to hearing stories about what you're going to do as we engage this passage of Scripture. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.